Welcome to Constructed Curiosity, a podcast that aims to expand your horizons and promote personal growth by exploring various topics and having conversations with extraordinary people. I'm your host, Casey Sprague. Thank you for joining me, and let's start the show. So thank you for joining me on Constructive Curiosity today. So this is actually a unique situation. We're doing this as a two-part episode because the interview with Brittany Piacente was just too awesome to cut down to just be one episode. So this week you get to enjoy part one, and next week is going to come with part two. Have a great week and enjoy the listen, everybody. Make sure you like and subscribe to Constructive Curiosity wherever you get your podcast, and check out socconsultingservices.com for all your mental performance coaching, career coaching, and business management needs. Without any further ado, let's get to the interview. Okay. Welcome to Constructive Curiosity. My guest today is Brittany Piacente. Brittany, how are you? I'm awesome. How are you? You know, I could be better. New Zealand sounds like a pretty fun place, and right <laughs> now we have miserable dreary weather here in wonderful Kentucky. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't miss the rain. But, you know, it also rains here, and it's been raining quite a bit. Today we got lucky, and the sun's just peeking through, but, you know, later on it might rain. <laughs> you kind of have to dress in for, like, three different seasons throughout the day. Like, in a single day, you'd be wearing a rain jacket, you'd be wearing shorts, and then you'd be wearing sweatpants. <laughs> so it's not that much different than Kentucky. Than you ever <laughs> no. <laughs> The only difference so, is that we have bigger mountains. <laughs> yes, much bigger mountains. And, you know, less hillbillies, I would imagine. Yes, yes. Quite <laughs> a few less. <laughs> uh, you want to talk bad about hillbillies if you are one, and I are one. <laughs> but Brittany, so rushing on here today, we've known each other for a good lord, like forever at this point in time. Yeah. You've had such an interesting life journey and where you are now. So I feel like I really wanted to bring your story to my listeners. And so let's just start at the beginning. So give you, or actually let's start at where you are now with, you know, a quick snapshot of what you do and all the cool stuff you've done for movies, all the places you've gone. And then we'll go back to the beginning and figure out how that foundation was. Yeah, for sure. Um, right now I'm a senior compositor at Weta Effects in Wellington, New Zealand. And uh, what a compositor is because most people hear that word and they're like, well, what is this? Uh, <laughs> compositor uh, essentially takes a bunch of different elements and then puts them uh, all together to make a cohesive uh, image. And I do this for films. Most people kind of recognize what Photoshop is, um, but I do that for moving pictures. So I take a bunch of different things that don't belong together and make them look like they belong together. Um, we do that for uh, all kinds of movies, TV, commercials, all that good stuff. Um, but yeah, like I pretty much kind of randomly came into compositing. It wasn't really uh, the goal that I had started with when I was in college and in high school and that. Um, I just knew I wanted to do something with art. Uh, but yeah, I just kind of wound up here. Um I don't know how much more I can say. I mean, I'm I'm in New Zealand. It was a goal 10 years ago, um, and I've reached that goal, and I'm here, and it's nuts. <laughs> I can't believe it myself. <laughs> so we're going to this, you know, just give you the ending, and then we're going to go back to the story. Yeah. 
Yeah. So let's start here. I like to hear about the early life. So we met in seventh grade. So let's go back before that. Let's figure out who we really <laughs> before seventh grade. <laughs> before seventh grade. Uh, yeah, I was probably another misfit toy then too. Um, <laughs> I pretty much drew a lot when I was younger. Um, and it, it was kind of like one of those outlets that like, you know, if I didn't want to have a conversation with somebody or if I, you know, just saw something cool, I would want to draw it. Um, my, I think I found a drawing from probably early elementary school and it was god awful um i was like why why did my mom let me do this for so long <laughs> i mean come to now and i can actually like draw really well but yeah back then it was something um but yeah i kind of drew a lot when i was um younger and i pretty much had an art class every year whether it was you know like just a general art class where you have a bunch of different types of projects um but it was always something i was super interested in um art was always kind of my outlet and i just always have enjoyed it um you know sometimes i fight with it because when i'm like designing shoes and stuff like that it's like why did I do this to myself? Um, but then at the end, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is awesome, actually. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like uh, when I was younger, I kind of I, like I honestly don't remember what I wanted to do, like specifically other than just like I wanted to do something in art. Um, uh, and then as I got older, uh, you know, probably around seventh grade, I started like writing, you know, and like journals and stuff like that. And um, then I thought it, I wanted to be a writer. Uh, and my mom was like, you can't make money with this. Uh, really <laughs> so cool. back to art. <laughs> back to art. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, <laughs> it was quite uh, interesting. But yeah, I was always kind of like in different clubs and played a bunch of sports and all that. But it was always like, I always fell back to art, like I still do. <laughs> oh no, no, I've never knew the writing aspect. I just want to hear a little bit more about your writing ambitions. Uh, it didn't last very long. Uh, <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, I, I think like writing was another outlet. You know, I like all your inner thoughts that you're like, I can't say this to somebody, <laughs> or like, you know, I uh. I would write in, uh, like little short stories. And then I took a class in college, um, uh, a writing class for children's books. And I thought that was awesome. Uh, and then, you know, the whole, you can't make money doing this thing came up is like, okay, well, <laughs> let's try something else then. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I like, uh, I don't, I don't have anything that I wrote before. Um, I, I had it all on like a external drive and then that external drive died. Oh, no. <laughs> so it's in the wind. <laughs> no evidence. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, well, you know, there could have been gems or it could have been just a dumpster fire thing. <laughs> no one will ever know. <laughs> I want to congratulate you on not spending too much time on the writing gig because I'm somebody who's 
spent a lot of time on it, and it's mostly just frustration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was doing it for myself, right? And, like, even that was like, oh, this is... This is a nice outlet, but at the same time, I'm like, oh, this is very stressful. <laughs> so if you're if you're trying to read it to somebody, you're like, oh no. <laughs> I always tell people the writing part is fun. Piecing together the puzzle of a novel is a really good time, or you know, getting a poem just right. But then you spend the next year and a half to two years trying to edit and fix all the problems. And you know, if there's a yeah. plot hole, it takes a hey, I had a giant plot hole in my first book. I realized when I was almost near the end, and I was like, crap. <laughs> had to go all the way back to the middle and rewrite a whole bunch of stuff. That was amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that I kind of had my mom kick me like, no, don't do that. <laughs> At least in that aspect. I was like, okay, you were right about that one. <laughs> that makes me wonder then. So what would be the first, you know, pivotal kind of moment in your life where, you know, you had a decision could have gone one way or the other. And you know you chose to go a certain path. Uh, probably senior year, um, because I had to get a portfolio together for like to get college credit for my art class. And at the start of the year, it was like, okay, well, you have to spend like a lot of time getting this portfolio together. You have to have a topic that is going to go across a bunch of different pieces and you know you're going to go to college the next year and you have to know what's going on um yeah so i i kind of uh had to make that decision of okay uh, i i'm either going towards this writing career because i just finished junior year and doing a bunch of english classes um or go to art school and kind of figure it out from there um yeah so i wound up having to build a portfolio uh i chose hands uh, i don't know why um <laughs> like i for the life of me could not tell you uh, <laughs> but i had to do like 12 uh art pieces having to do with hands so like the entire year i was looking at hands like the like I was dreaming of hands. I was looking at hands. I was drawing hands. It was everything. Um, but yeah, I think at the start of senior year, I pretty much had to to pick what I was going to do. And that's you know when people get the most pressure to choose your career. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I, and I was in so many clubs, like way too many clubs to be in. <laughs> I was in a club meeting like every day. Um, yeah, it was senior year was nuts. But yeah, that was pretty much the time is I wound up having to to choose art or writing and it leaned much more towards uh, art. And um, I went to a like college fair with my mom, uh, like halfway through senior year. And uh, I saw a presentation from Savannah College of Art and Design, and I loved it. I was like, I am going there, um, and it's the only school that I applied to. <laughs> I don't, I don't recommend that for people <laughs> because it was a scary time. Uh, it's like I don't know if yeah. I can get in here. <laughs> no backup plan, Mr. Yeah. Phil. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, uh, that was a surprising choice that uh, I'm, I'm baffled that my mom let me do. Um, and it's funny because knowing my parents, I feel like maybe they applied to other schools for me. <laughs> I had a backup plan. Just in case. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry, we got you here. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. Yeah, I wound up getting in though. So yay. <laughs> well that and then I'm jealous because Savannah's one of my favorite cities. I love that place. Yes. Oh, it was it was kind of like living in a little dream. Like the city is so small, but ever like, you know, the moss covered streets and you know, the the hype of St. Patty's Day on River Street, like the it's very much a college town, but not in the sense that like it's a big college town. It's like really close knit, like everybody kind of knows everybody. Um, and it's right by the beach, you know, Tybee Island is like a 30 minute drive, not even. And that's one of the few places I would actually like to live down there. Would be yeah. Everything is like right there. Yeah, exactly. Like um, it's very much like, it has all the things that you would need, but at the same time, it's just so small that, you know, you pretty much uh, are able to like explore, but, you know, still feel like all oh, everybody, you know, this like family type feeling. It's just a very quaint place, honestly. Like it's yeah. hard to describe for people who haven't been to there, but it's very, <laughs> you can feel the history. There's been a few different places I've been, but that's all the places where you know, you just walk through, and these places are so old, and so, but they're well maintained. And yeah. You can literally eat in a made at the pirate house, which I'm assuming you've eaten that before. Yeah. And it's you know, one of the original buildings after it got redone. And it's like, yeah, this is you know a couple hundred years old. That's pretty cool to be sitting here and see the meal. Yeah, yeah, and they do their best to like keep everything well preserved, like from the outside and the inside. Like if they can keep something when doing renovations, they're going to. Um, yeah, that, that like, it's, it's one of the places that I've lived that I'm like, I still love it. <laughs> oh, it's fun to live. I mean, my listeners are probably tired of hearing me say this, but when you've lived a bunch of different places, part of your heart stays there and you want something from there. You always miss something from there. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> and sometimes I kind of wonder, I'm like, you know, was it because I was a college student and did a lot of exploring there and like, you know, like I kind of made all my friends and that like there, is it because of that or is it because, you know, it was just a city I really enjoyed being in. Um, and I, I still don't know, like, <laughs> I, I know that I miss it and <laughs> I love the city, but I was like, I couldn't put my finger on like one, one reason why, uh, why I would, you know, say, oh, I love Savannah. There's just that perfect moment, too. You know, it's it, if you hit a place at the right time in life, it just seems to speak to you more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think it it was the perfect time for me to be there. Uh, and I even went back for a visit. I took David there for the first time. And um, it was it was just as I remembered it. Like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Um, there were, you know, a couple of new buildings, but the the feel of the city, I was like, yeah, I still love it. 
it's, it's somewhere I can't wait to visit again. But I don't know what what kind of crazy story could you share from your college years? Oh God, uh, that's appropriate <laughs> for listeners. Um... No, we'll have another conversation <laughs> after. <laughs> Uh, hmm. uh, well, actually, they have a lot of, uh, like, every year they have the Savannah Film Festival, uh, and I got to be uh, an usher, just so <laughs> random, like, just sh shuffling people to their seats. Uh, I didn't get to meet anybody famous. I saw them from a distance, but it like it was a surreal experience. That was really my first one kind of with, uh, you know, with famous people, you know, being in the vicinity, you know, being from Kentucky, you're like, there's no famous people here. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. So that was, that was my kind of, that, that's the PG, <laughs> the PG story that I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I made a lot of friends down there, and we there were some wild times. Uh, I I was very sheltered as a kid, so when you have the freedom to do whatever you want, <laughs> it's kind of like I'm gonna do whatever I want. <laughs> you sheltered never. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh it was quite the uh, change, uh, and I'm glad that I I got away. Um, I think that was one of my goals in school is to leave Kentucky and explore the world. And, you know, now I'm in New Zealand. So <laughs> I think I achieved it. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's one of the <laughs> things I always tell people to work with people. Yeah, my kids are trying to get half their college done while they're still in high school. I'm like, yeah. college isn't <laughs> about the education. It's about the life experience. So you only get, those are your last four years. And, yeah, you're an adult, quote, unquote, adult. But 18 to 22, you're still figuring it out. And that's a very safe landing place where you can explore what being an adult's about. You can get your first apartment, you know, explore whatever other options are out there. Travel, have unencumbered, like, things you can do for fun. So, yeah, just don't rush to college. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, the, <clears throat> I've always kind of told my students or even people that have asked, like, younger uh, adults, like, you know, should I go to college or should I do online schooling? Because that's now, you know, a much bigger thing. Um, and like, for me, the, the college experience of just, you know, making new friends and exploring uh, a new city, uh, like, I would not trade that for the world. Um, for me, that did so much for, like, not only my like personality because getting to be around a bunch of different people and a bunch of different diversity groups it was it was life-changing you know like uh, coming from kentucky where you know you can count on one hand how many people of color uh you know were in our class it's and then going to a school where my roommate <laughs> is a person of color i'm like you too? <laughs> this is insane. <laughs> um, yeah, so it was really eye-opening. <laughs> yeah, it helps to break down those barriers. I mean, I had a, a great boss at one point. He used to say that, I've said this before too, gosh, I got to learn some new material. Today, <laughs> I'm going to stop listening. 
But, you know, traveling is how you get over prejudice, how you get over racism, how you get over all these different things. Because you realize people are people are people. No matter where you go, there's good people, there's bad people, there's people you want to associate with, and there's not. That has nothing to do with the color of your skin, your sexual preference, or anything else. You just have to get to know the person. Yeah, and I think uh, a lot of people kind of don't realize that because they're in this little bubble, you know. Uh, And I think that that was one of my goals, you know, leaving Kentucky is like, I need... I need more um, and I need people that I can relate to, uh, you know, on a different level and leaving Kentucky was hard, right? I've made friends for since seventh grade, <laughs> actually, since fourth grade, third grade. Um, yeah. Brie can tell you sixth grade probably. Uh, but yeah, like being able to explore different parts of, the world and even just the states um, really gave me that that experience to see that there's more out there and that you know the people that I interact with I interact with because we have you know similar interests and it's not about you know where they're from where I'm from and we're just talking like you and I are talking right now uh, it it had nothing to do with you know where uh how we grew up uh i think that you know when when i hit it off with somebody a lot of the time it's like oh we have this in common i think that's just for everybody right but um, being being around a bunch of different uh people from all over the world uh going to savannah college of art and design like it was it was probably one of the best experiences um just being able to be around different people and see how how different everyone is, uh, but how same everyone is, uh, if that makes sense. I've hit it off with so many people like, oh, you have the same experience that I have. And like, we've never met before. We don't live in the same state. We, you know, we're from different cultures. Uh, so yeah, like it, people, can surprise you. Um, and I think that that was probably like the most fun that I had is getting to meet all different types of people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> like uh, college was nuts. <laughs> it was, it definitely was one of those things that shaped who I am. Uh, and I love that part of it. As it's just, there's my last plug on this one. Go to college for four years. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think, yeah, like now there's so many ways to learn things like the, you know, e-learning is such a big thing. Um, but for me, I say like, you know, e-learning is not really going to go anywhere. Like the Internet is never going anywhere. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the the college experience, if you want to, you know, really open your minds to uh different ways of thinking and meeting different people then yeah for sure go to college like and i think that the us makes it hard sometimes to afford to go to college but you know if you can if you can work your way up to saving up to do it then i highly recommend it um i know 
Jackie, like she worked so hard during high school and, you know, being able to pay off her college. I was like, how did you think that far ahead? <laughs> and why didn't you tell me to do that? <laughs> um, <laughs> And I don't know if I ever shared the story on here yet, but I remember I got my first, like, you know, you don't have to pay your student loans back until you're done with college. But I got my yeah. first statement, and, like, the next day I went into the RTC office, like, hey, you want to sign a contract where you can do this? And we pay for everything. I was like, whoop, done. <laughs> well, college did, and I got a master's, and I'm going to have my doctor paid for it. Yep, yep. <laughs> that, that is one thing the military has going for them. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that makes it get on the education benefit side of it. But that's the other thing I've joked with people too. Like, but I don't want to go in the classroom. No, four years in about the classroom. Now, graduate, I will not step back in the classroom unless I'm teaching. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to do all online because it's what makes sense for professionals. You know, you don't have that same time you can dedicate to in classroom. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, if you're an undergrad, go, go in class if you're, especially a traditional 18 to 23, 24 year old. Yeah, go to the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be surprised the amount of friends that you'd make that last for a long time, you know, like, and even people that you don't talk to every day, they're still available to, you know, have a chat and like catch up. Um, I know one of my professors said, uh, take a look around the classroom. You're never going to talk to these people again. And <laughs> Like we're all like laughing at him. And then uh, a couple years later, I was in LA and I had met up with one of the people in that class and we took a picture and sent it to him. He said, you're full of shit. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Is that actually him? Now you mentioned that. There were so many classes where I'm like, I don't know who any of you are. And it was like a, it was like a huge lecture hall class. You don't talk to anybody. Yeah. So like, I don't know who you are now. I'm not going to know who you are after this class. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Some classes do a little bit better of a job, you know, interacting with other students and then others. You're like, I'm in a classroom of 100 people and we're all just listening to the one person talk. So there's no like answering questions or, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I hated that part of being at UC. Like for at some point I uh we weren't able to afford for me to go to uh savannah college of modern design so i went back home and went to uc for a year uh i liked you know a couple of my drawing classes where we had a lot of like group projects kind of thing uh and i got to draw a lot <laughs> but uh yeah i had a class that was just straight lecture hall and i was like this is the worst <laughs> We didn't have little remotes. We had like little remotes in my, I think it was my biology class, where she put a question up there and you had to click the button. But if everyone was trying to click the button at the same time, it wouldn't register your answer. You had like 10 seconds. We'd be like, click, 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 click. Hopefully you could actually register and then be like, you got it wrong because you didn't answer that. <laughs> nope, I didn't have that. <laughs> Definitely do not recommend the 300 person or you know, 100 person classes. Those are horrible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, much smaller classes. I would highly recommend. Um, but you know, there's classes that you like have to take. You know, some people are just really bad at uh, English or writing, but you know, those are ones you have to take. Uh, and same with like math. I used to love math, but 
I was like, what am I going to do with this? Um, <laughs> that was another career where you're just like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> so random. <laughs> but yeah, there's a bunch of those, you know, you have to take this to move on kind of class. Yeah, the, the wonderful breadth and depth of knowledge classes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I can think cool. of one thing that I've used from biology and it like is so random. It was like a Jeopardy question. Like, <laughs> it's like, it's not anything I would ever use. No, it, that's mostly what it is. Like, I think I, you mentioned Jeopardy. I answered a question from a philosophy class I had to take. I was like, oh, I know this because that class. Otherwise, I would never have needed to know this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So if you want to make sure that you're properly using all of your knowledge, you know, watch Jeopardy. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let's talk a little bit about after college. What was your first stop after college? Where'd you go? Uh, the first stop was uh, Escondido, which is just outside of San Diego. I wound up working getting my first job in the industry uh, with a uh, stereo company called Legend 3D. I don't know if they're still around. I feel like they might be, but they're, they've, I think they've moved all their work to India. Um, but yeah, that was where I met a lot of uh, friends that I still have today. Uh, they, like, we worked really closely together because our hours were insane. Um, so we were around each other all the time. You'll find that with pretty much the majority of this industry is you make a lot of friends because you spend all of the days together. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, that and it was a, a family friend that wound up getting helping me get that job. Uh, because right after school, you know, I graduated with a degree in animation, and then I found out that I'm not good at animation. Uh, so that was cool. <laughs> yeah, the it was quite the change. Yeah, but it was something I had no idea about. Like, I didn't hear about this in art school at all. Uh, and And the only reason I knew about it was because of a family friend. He wanted to help me get my foot in the door, so he helped me get the job. And then I, you know, realized for the first time that some people can't see stereo. Uh, so, like the 3D movies, some people can't, actually can't see the 3D. Um, I did not know that that was a thing because my first day, I had to take a test to make sure that I could see in 3D. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, so there are some people that can? Okay. Luckily, I was not one of them, so I got the job. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I. it's funny. I, I took that job as my first job and, uh, you know, made a lot of friends, really enjoyed it. And then, like the industry does, they did a massive layoff of artists and... I only wound up staying because that same family friend was nice enough to to try to keep me, but in a different department. So I wound up moving into render wrangling, which I, I hadn't heard of that before either. Uh, 
So <laughs> essentially, it's just watching this farm of jobs that come in. And if they start to break, you have to figure out why they're breaking. Uh, and yeah, so I wound up doing that for a bit. And it was, <laughs> it was so random. I like I'm super grateful uh, for him. He like was super helpful uh, and, you know, helped me get my foot in the door. Uh, but pretty much, yeah, I wound up in that San Diego area for almost a year, I think. Um, but yeah, the during that time, um, David and I decided to move to uh, LA. Like, you know, the jobs were slowing up again and it was like, okay, I think you're going to have to start looking for a new job. Like we, we don't have, you know, we're coming in enough to keep a bunch of people. So, uh, LA was the next closest spot. It's somewhere that I wanted to live when I was, uh, probably in high school and, uh, a little bit through college. And, and I saw that, you know, the majority of studios were in LA. That's not exactly the case anymore, but during that time it was like, booming with the VFX industry. Um, yeah, so we decided to move to LA. Uh, and that was like 2013, I think. And when we did that, I didn't have a job lined up. We just moved. And the yeah, like mistakes were made, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we... David just finished uh, culinary school in Chicago. So he moved to, uh, or he, we packed up all his stuff and then we drove cross country to move to LA. We moved to LA and I started looking for a job in animation. This is when I was still under the impression that I could do animation. Um, <laughs> and yeah, I looked for a job for like six months and it was brutal. Uh, we were broke and having to decide on which single bag of chips that we could get and how we were going to pay our bills. It, it was dark times. Uh, it's something that we talk about even to this day where we go, let's never do that again. Uh, <laughs> it definitely taught us a lot, <laughs> but uh, I wound up, you know, getting a friend's uh, information about a studio in LA that was, hiring on all the people that got laid off from legend uh to a new place called deluxe and they um they were in burbank which like is part of la but you know when you have to drive from downtown la to to burbank it's uh terrible <laughs> driving anywhere in la is terrible <laughs> um, <laughs> yes it's true <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I got that job and uh, we wound up, you know, moving from where we were, like where we were, we just found, you know, a semi-decent priced place to live before I, you know, got a job. And then as we, as I got this job at Deluxe, we were like, you know, it's a bit far to drive this every day, so... Uh, we started looking for a place to live, and then I wound up getting a place five minutes from work. Not driving. Literally, I had to walk through a garage, and then I was at work. <laughs> wow. That's convenient. Yeah. I need that. 
<laughs> yes, it was just this crazy stroke of luck that the the listing came up the same day that I had happened to be looking for a place to live. Yes, yes. I was like, oh, something somebody's finally looking out for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like from there, I pretty much was working for that company for about a year. That was actually my the place that I got my first screen credit um, on Godzilla. Uh, that was so surreal because a lot of people don't realize that all the film credits that they see, that's not everyone. You know, like there's people that don't get credit at all. They've put in hours, months, you know, the on a show and they don't get credit at all. So I had worked on like four or five different shows with Legend. And I think, yeah, that sounds roughly right. Um, it was so long ago. Uh, but yeah, like it's not something that you realize until you're in the industry and you're like, Oh, I actually don't get credit for this. Cool. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that was my first screen credit there. And then the company found out about some, uh, uh, like tax credits, um, in Canada. So they wound up moving the studio to Toronto and, uh, they asked, me to move there so i was like sure it's a new place and why not <laughs> and they you know paid you to do it so i was like yes <laughs> even if yeah even if we don't even if we don't like it like you know they're paying us to move there so why not um but yeah like from there like we kind of bounced around a, diff a bunch of different places. It, what's funny is we we moved there and then we had a lot of complaints. I, like uh, it's mainly because, you know, it's a new place. You don't know where you're going and uh, how far things actually are. Like on a map, you're like, that's like right there. Um, yeah, yeah. But, but we moved somewhere where we had to take like, I think it was probably like 45 minutes and then it was three different public transit transfers. Yeah, it was a nightmare. And then it was like expensive to drive. So you didn't want to do that. And the traffic was stupid there too. I don't know how we do it, but everywhere that we've gone, starting from LA, the traffic has gotten worse. <laughs> what? What? That's uh, your next time yeah. Tokyo then. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> You never know with this industry. I might wind up there. I have no idea. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it, we bounce around quite a few places in Toronto, just kind of trying to find somewhere that we liked that was convenient, like location-wise from work, but far enough away that, you know, you didn't feel like you didn't actually leave work. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But it's funny because we kept wanting to leave um, and we talked about it every year. It got to the point where like nobody believed us that we would ever leave because um, we wound up being there for like eight years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, you know, I worked for a few different companies there. 
And that's uh, where I got my first uh, opportunity to lead. Uh, and it kind of wound up being a little bit random. Like I went for a job as an artist at the studio called Snowball. Um, and the first day I had coffee with the CEO and he's like, what do you think about leading? And I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, uh, did I sign up for this? Like, what? what's happening? Um, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, like it must have been based off of the conversations that we were having uh, about how I would want to, you know, work on the team and, and what I wanted to get out of the job, essentially. And yeah, so my first day, I went from an artist to a lead. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and I loved it, like. My team was awesome. Uh, my first day, <laughs> I was introducing myself, uh, you know, to the team as the lead, and uh, I was so nervous. Like my voice was cracking, and I was like, "Oh my god, everybody is going to think I'm an idiot." <laughs> we <do> but, that. <laughs> yeah, but uh, you know, like I actually hit it off with my team, and we were so close knit that. It, like you know we would hang out after work um and yeah like it, that was my first experience leading and ever since then like if I'm not leading I'm like I need to get back to it because I miss it um yeah but yeah that you know I wound up in moving from Toronto to Montreal for a year and then COVID happened <laughs> That was, that kind of, obviously that wrecked everyone. Um, you know, everybody had something that was affected by this, you know, disease. Uh, and it was, it was brutal for everyone. We got lucky. Like we wound up getting a place that had a lot of room uh, and the landlords were like super chill. Um, one of them actually like lived below us and yeah like the covid for us w was like much easier than a lot of people had um there were a lot of people i knew that weren't expecting to have to work from home and you know they're living in a, a shoebox and <laughs> trying to get a computer set up when you can't actually like leave your house to go get a computer it was a mess um but yeah, like the, that also kind of got me into uh, leadership with that company that I wound up working for in Montreal, uh, just because I was able to really bounce back pretty quickly and uh, really get to know the team. And I could, you know, get a whole group of people talking where everybody was like, I feel so nervous about getting on camera or, you know, just having to talk to people via computer, you know, like it wasn't, it wasn't a normal thing. Anytime that you've heard about somebody working, um, working remotely for a company, they had been there for like years and years and the company had a lot of trust in them, but it was like few and far between. Uh, like I can think of maybe two people I knew out of all the companies that I'd worked for up until that point that actually worked remotely. Um, it was not a thing. Uh, it's mainly because of 
the clients, you know, you've got clients like Marvel and, uh, you know, uh, uh, Warner Brothers, they, they don't want to have their films leaked, you know, um, so that was a big concern. And COVID kind of forced their hand. You know, you're like, we either don't make the movie or, uh, you know, we have to do this from home. Uh, there's no other choice. Um, and in Canada, it was much different than the U.S. The U.S., it feels like COVID kind of like the lockdown thing kind of lasted like two weeks. <laughs> but, well, uh, depending where you were, yeah. It wasn't too yeah. bad. Yeah, but in Canada, they like we were locked down for uh, over a year. Um, uh, some places more than a year. Um, but yeah, like the it was it was intense. Uh, it was, and it's not something you can like prepare yourself for. Like you had no idea that shit was coming. <laughs> no idea. Uh, I mean, yeah. Not, not to poke light at COVID at all, but I mean, if you remember growing up, the, the, the bird flu, the swine flu. Like, so when it first started, you're like, this is just the next thing they're going to say yeah. is going to blow up. And it's not going to blow up. And you're like, oh, crap. Yes. Yeah, exactly. The, it's the, those things where you're like, it's not going to affect us. You know, uh, David uh, was in the kitchen one day and uh one of the staff was still like she I, I can't remember if she was just there uh or if she knew somebody that was there but she's like this is coming and everybody's like no it's like it's not gonna make it here like you don't know what you're talking about and then everything blew up and it's like oh this is this is happening and yeah <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that's why people started freaking out, right? Because you have a day to be like, okay, get your stuff together and, you know, go home. <laughs> it really hit a lot of industries hard. And if you're not, yeah. it forced a lot of people to figure out if they could work independently. I know some people mm -hmm. I worked with at the time couldn't do it. They were struggling so bad. I mean, luckily for me, I've always been a person that even I wouldn't say what I wasn't supposed to, but if I was able to go home and work, I would go home and work any opportunity yeah. I got. Because I, I like to be out of the office. I think offices are a miserable place to be. <laughs> but that's just a personal opinion. But I mean, I just, I like the freedom of, I don't have a meeting. I'm going to take 10 minutes to go outside and, you know, enjoy the sunshine and have a nice time. But yeah, the people who, especially, I worked with a lot of older people. I worked at Army University at the time. And a lot of those people have worked in an office for 40 or 50 years. Oh, wow. And they had a lot of retired people. Like, you know, this was their second career after they had retired. And they were there. You had 56 year old people working. And they're like, how do I even work this thing? Trying to use their computers <laughs> and cameras. And they're used to, you know, the younger person coming in, setting up everything. Yeah. You just sit in front of your camera and you talk. And then the younger person comes in, disconnects everything, moves it away. I <laughs> can see that for a while. Like, okay. You gotta move, move your camera shade. You gotta adjust your volume. Like, what, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I feel like uh, it's now prepared a lot of people for what can happen, and uh, obviously what did happen. But yeah, like it was a learning curve for everybody, uh, and you know, like I think a lot of countries treated it so differently that everybody has their own experience of like what they had to go through and um yeah that was one of the things is like 
some people they were like i don't know how to do any of this like i have to set up my own computer and do what <laughs> uh yeah yeah it and it was definitely interesting uh it's funny the the first the first day that they started announcing that there's going to be a lockdown uh the company i was working for said we are not going to work from home like we're just gonna shut everything down for the two weeks and then we'll come back to the office yeah brilliant um and then a week later they're like okay everybody needs a desk from work and when can we drop it off at your house I don't know if you got the opportunity to do this. Canada was a lot more strict, but one of the most eerie feelings I had. So I was considered essential for the place I worked at. I was the like you know the deputy for a really important guy. So like, yeah. you need to be in there to coordinate all this crap. And I was like, okay, cool. I'll go into the office. There's like me, him, and like two other people in this entire building. And this is a university. It's a huge, as you know, fifteen, sixteen hundred students usually. And there's <laughs> yeah. nobody there, and you're just like. This is creepy. Yes, yes. Like the the closest experience I had to that, like prior to COVID, was coming into the office early. There's like yeah. three people there. You're like, okay, this is weird. Um, but when you had to like go pick up the, you know, the work screens and keyboards and all that, you had to go buy. Like they had a slot for you that you would be the only one there with one other IT person. So you walk in the studio that's usually got, you know, 100 people and you're like, uh, where is everybody? <laughs> it is weird. It's like so bizarre. Uh, yeah, like, and, and, like, I can't even imagine with a university like that. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> Google has a light on and his office has a light on. The rest of the room is dark. <laughs> yeah yeah that's not for me <laughs> it, was, it was definitely eerie i probably should have written a, a dark short story about it <laughs> <laughs> yes we all be like we relate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's thank you for listening to constructive curiosity constructive curiosity is presented by sfc consulting for all your career coaching, project management, and leadership development needs, SFC Consulting has the insight to get it right. Visit sfcconsultingservices.com for more information.